This video was made possible thanks to your support on Patreon. Subscribe on Patreon for early access to videos and additional content. It is undeniable that nature is beautiful, and a walk in the fresh air can do a lot for a person's physical and mental well-being. However, while there is much beauty in nature, there is also much danger, especially for the young or inexperienced. In today's episode of Cold Case Detective, we'll be exploring two mysterious cases of people who went missing in the mountains. But before we dive in, I want to thank Blinkist for sponsoring today's video. Over the last 18 months here at Cold Case Detective, we've told hundreds of different stories referencing countless historical events and psychological subjects. A lot of you have asked how we're able to keep up with such research, or how we continue to find inspiration when it seems like we've crossed every path imaginable. While it can be hard to absorb all the information we need to make our videos, we turn to Blinkist, the perfect solution to boost our productivity without missing out on those mind-bending stories we're known for. Today's video is sponsored by Blinkist, an application meant for those who want to feed their mind but might not have all the free time in the world. Blinkist hosts a library full of thousands of non-fiction books and offers 15-minute highlights that you can read or listen to podcast-style instead of trying to cram the entire volume. You simply pick the topic you're interested in, scroll through the library's options, and pick whichever title piques your interest. In just minutes, you can find the knowledge that might have cost you hours, expanding your horizons with just a few swipes. Subjects range from science, nature and the environment, to economics, society, and culture. Here at CCD, we found their psychology titles to be the most enlightening. Exploring books such as Predictably Irrational by Dan O'Reilly and The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat and Other Clinical Tales by Oliver Sacks for our videos on the human mind and its impact on crime. You can help support the channel whilst joining us in your own personal search for wisdom by signing up for Blinkist using our specialized link below. The first hundred people to go to the link in the description are going to get unlimited access for one week to try it out. You can also get 25% off if you want the full membership too. This seven day trial is completely free and you can cancel at any point during that time. There are stories out there to be told, so go and discover them without the stress, but with all the ease of Blinkist and support CCD at the same time. Now let's dive in to two cases of people who went missing in the mountains. Victor Shoemaker Jr. Born March 30th of 1989, Victor Dwight Shoemaker Jr. was his parents' miracle child. Victor Sr. and his wife Nettie had been attempting to have their own child for years, but it never happened. That is, until finally, Nettie became pregnant in 1988. In the spring of 1994, the Shoemakers took Victor, who was five at the time, along with them to visit his grandfather in Kirby, West Virginia, for a family reunion. 
The home was on the outskirts of Short Mountain, a long, relatively low mountain of about 8,000 acres. Victor was very excited about the trip because he adored playing outdoors. Whenever he had the opportunity, he could be found paddling in nearby creeks and climbing trees. The only time Nettie let her son out of her sight was when they arrived at the house and Victor was given permission to play with his cousins in the woods behind the mobile home. And that's exactly what Victor did on the morning of May 1st at around 8am. The young boy was being supervised by his cousins, Tommy who was 9 and Lloyd who was 8. According to the boys, the pair wanted to play with their BB guns, so they headed further into the woods, leaving Victor struggling to catch up. By the time they reached a small abandoned trailer, the five-year-old told them he was hungry and wanted to go home. Neither of the children offered to take him back, so Victor began his journey to his grandfather's trailer alone at around 8.30am. However, Victor would never make it back home. It wasn't long before a search was launched in an attempt to quickly locate the five-year-old before darkness fell. Hundreds of local people turned up to help find him, and eventually helicopters were put to use, and divers searched nearby ponds and creeks. The forest was dense, and the chances of recovering Victor seemed to be growing smaller. A volunteer firefighter noted, quote, Some of the brush is pretty heavy, and there are areas where you can't see ten feet in front of you. During the search, an adult cousin of Victor's found what she thought might have been a sleeping spot for the little boy. Three rocks were placed in the shape of a triangle, with a stick in the middle, while three logs had been placed to the side. There was also freshly disturbed dirt next to it. Of the discovery, Victor's cousin said, it looked like someone trying to build a house. After five days of combing through the scrub, the search for the little boy was called off. In the months following, the National Guard and Army Reserve units attempted to locate Victor, but were unsuccessful. In 1997, the FBI announced their interest in a dark blue 1990 pickup truck that was seen in the area at the time Victor vanished. It's unknown if the driver has any connection to the case, but investigators were keen to talk to them about what, if anything, they had seen. This car has never been located. At the time of Victor's disappearance, authorities stated their belief that the young boy had gotten lost and tragically died from exposure. The terrain in the area is rough and rocky, and in the days following his vanishing, the weather was cold and rainy. It seemed unlikely that the five-year-old would have been able to survive the harsh conditions without shelter. However, Victor's parents do not believe that he got lost, claiming that the young boy was very familiar with the area. When initially questioned about his whereabouts, Victor's cousins, Tommy and Lloyd, reportedly gave the wrong location of where he was last seen. However, the pair were meant to be looking after him and were not meant to be playing by the abandoned trailer, so they probably didn't want to get into trouble, meaning this is not necessarily evidence of something strange going on. According to one report, when asked about what they thought had happened to Victor, one of his cousins is alleged to have said, somebody hiding behind a tree got up and grabbed him or shot him. Victor Sr. believes that Tommy and Lloyd know more than they are letting on, although he does not believe the pair are involved in any way. Speaking to the Charleston Gazette Mail, Victor Sr. said that when he attempted to speak to the boys after they returned from the woods, they wouldn't say anything about it. 
Both children were given a play therapy exam and a polygraph test shortly after Victor's vanishing, and both passed. One of the mothers of the boys was also given a polygraph test, as was Victor Sr. Again, both passed. Reportedly, Nettie, Victor's mother, was not asked to take one. There are many theories surrounding the disappearance of Victor Shoemaker Jr. Some suspect that he fell victim to a careless hunter, while others agree with the police theory that he simply succumbed to the elements. Reportedly, investigators ruled out the theory that the young boy was abducted, because there is only one main road that passes through the remote area, and it is rarely used. However, Victor's parents, and some of the locals, believe he was abducted by a stranger. According to several reports, during the search, a sniffer dog kept its nose in the air and traced the five-year-old scent through a field and then to a road before halting. This has suggested to some that perhaps Victor was carried through the field before being placed in a car. Of the abduction theory, Victor Sr. stated his belief that his son had been abducted and raised by another family. He says he likely has a new identity and remembers nothing of his old life. Others have speculated that perhaps he was the victim of an unfortunate accident and his cousins were too scared to say. It has also been postulated that maybe Tommy and Lloyd saw something, but again, were too afraid to tell anybody. However, these are all just theories, and without any evidence, none of them can be close to proven. In 2004, the Charlie Project shed light on the case again, hoping to attract new information and jog somebody's memory. However, nothing substantial came of this appeal. In 2014, authorities announced that all investigative leads have been exhausted. That same year, Victor Sr. gave an interview and said, We're hanging in there, but we sure would love to hear something. Since the tragic disappearance, the shoemakers don't speak with their cousins or their families. It's unclear who decided to stop speaking to who, but it has been noted that the families of Tommy and Lloyd refuse to speak to the media. If Victor is still alive, he would be 32 years old this year. If you have any information about his case, you can contact the FBI at 202-324-3000. Nileen Marshall. Nileen K. Marshall was born on September 18th, 1978. A playful and kind-hearted young girl, she was born in Orange County, California, and had one older brother and one younger sister. At the time of her disappearance in the early 1980s, she and her siblings lived with Nileen's biological mother Nancy and her stepfather Kim in Clancy, Montana. On June 25th, 1983, Nancy and Kim decided to have a picnic with friends and family members at a campground in the Helena National Forest in the Elkhorn Mountains, a mountain range in the southwest of Montana. There are slightly differing reports about Nileen's last movements. Most sources, including the Charlie Project, state that the four-year-old had been playing with other children, but lagged behind when they headed towards a beaver dam. When they looked around, she was gone. However, several articles have stated that Nileen was being looked after by a 13-year-old girl who had to return to the campground for just a moment. The girl told Nileen to stay put, but when she returned, Nileen had vanished. Either way, 
Nileen was nowhere to be found. Law enforcement extensively searched the campground but found no sign of her. A police dog briefly caught her scent but lost it during the search. The odds did not look good. The park was filled with thick foliage, rough terrain, wildlife, and harsh weather. Not only that, but abandoned mine shafts littered the area. After nine days of careful exploration, the search was finally called off. One lead did emerge, however, during this time. The children recalled seeing Nileen speaking to a man in a purple jogging suit. He reportedly told the four-year-old to, quote, follow the shadows. According to some articles, he attempted to speak to the other children first, but one was afraid of him and ran off, while the other simply ignored him. Nileen appeared to be the only one who actively engaged with him. It's unknown if this man has anything to do with the vanishing, but he has never been identified. The case grew cold for several years, until November 27th of 1985, when an anonymous man made a phone call to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, claiming that he had abducted Nileen, although he referred to her by her middle name, Kay. A few months later, at the beginning of 1986, a typewritten letter was sent to law enforcement in Wisconsin. The letter appeared to be from the same man who'd made the phone call, and stated that he'd picked Nileen up on a road between Helena and Boulder in Elkhorn Park, and decided to take her home with him so that he could care for her. Although excerpts from the letter can be found online, the full piece has never been released to the public, likely because investigators have said that it contains details that were never made public. One detective said that the letter writer was, quote, privy to things that a normal person would not have access to. In his letter, the writer claimed to have a nice investment income and was able to work from home, allowing him to homeschool Nileen. He said he traveled frequently throughout the US, UK, and Canada, and that Nileen always accompanied him and had fun doing so. He claimed not to molest Nileen in any way, but then provided further details of his activities, which certainly indicated that Nileen was exposed to sexual activity. He claimed that he understood her family must miss her, but that he loved her too much to give her up. This disturbing letter was postmarked from Madison, Wisconsin. Around this time, an anonymous caller claiming to be the writer called the non-profit organization Child Find of America multiple times. These calls were traced back to public phone booths, one of which was located near a pharmacy in Edgerton, Wisconsin. Similar phone calls were made to Nileen's parents, who also received letters from this man. Some time after these deeply disturbing calls and letters, a witness came forward, claiming that they had seen a girl resembling Nileen at a restaurant in Janesville, Wisconsin. It appears as if nothing further came of this tip, however. In 1990, the case was featured on the popular TV show Unsolved Mysteries. After watching the program, one viewer called in, stating his belief that Nileen was one of his classmates in Bellingham, Washington. Incredibly, while it turned out the girl was not Nileen, she was a missing person who had been abducted by her non-custodial father. Monica Bonilla had been missing from Burbank, California since 1982. After eight long years, she was finally reunited with her mother. That same year, Nileen's uncle saw two composite sketches for a male and female wanted for child abduction in another part of the US. 
He believed that he had seen the two during their first day of searching. However, this couple has never been identified. In August of 1991, a man named Richard James Wilson handed himself in, confessing to Nileen's murder. He also claimed to have taken the life of another woman from Great Falls. Wilson reportedly had a history of mental health issues and had been on probation since his 1984 conviction for sexual assault against a minor. Following his confession, Wilson gave investigators directions to where he'd buried the unidentified woman, but no remains were found at the scene. He was also taken to the Elkhorn mountain range, but couldn't tell authorities where he'd supposedly buried Nileen. He then recanted his confession and was subsequently released, as the police did not have sufficient evidence to charge him. One of the case's most peculiar leads came in 1997, when a nurse reported a possible sighting of Nileen. According to the witness, a 19-year-old woman and an unidentified man entered the hospital she was working at in Oklahoma to try and get admitted for childbirth. The young woman called herself Helena, and when questioned further, mentioned that she believed her mother's name was Nileen. She apparently remembered little about her childhood and claimed to have grown up in another country, although she had no accent. After staff tried to get more information from the pair, who they found very suspicious, the couple decided to leave. This woman does appear to have been tracked down by law enforcement, and she agreed to have her blood drawn and tested against Nileen's parents. Ultimately, it seems that this woman and her connection to Nileen was eventually ruled out. There is an abundance of theories in Nileen's case. Some believe the man in the purple jogging suit was involved. Others have speculated that she simply wandered off, got lost, and tragically succumbed to the elements. It's been suggested that she was abducted by an unidentified party. Some believe the letters and calls were a hoax, but others are certain that the letter writer is her true captor. For a time, many wondered if she was the Racine County Jane Doe, a young woman who suffered horrific abuse before being murdered. However, Jane Doe was finally identified in 2019 as Peggy Lynn Johnson. Another interesting aspect of Nileen's disappearance is that her stepfather, Kim, was once named as a person of interest in her case. It is unclear as to why authorities suspected him of being involved or knowing more than he said he did. By 1994, the Marshall family had relocated to Japan, but tragedy would continue to stalk them. In 1995, in Mexico, Nancy, Nileen's mother, was sexually assaulted and murdered. She was found hanging by a man's belt in her hotel room. Information on her case is scarce, and it appears to remain unsolved. According to some sources, her death was ruled as a suicide, despite the fact she had been raped and her valuables were missing from her hotel room. In 2017, investigators announced they had no new substantial leads to follow. Nileen's case is still unsolved and grows colder by the day. If she is still alive, Nileen will be 42 this year. If you have any information on her disappearance, you can contact the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office at 406-225-4075. And there you have the facts. Two particularly tragic cases of those who have got lost in the mountains. 
please leave a comment down below with your own thoughts and theories. And remember to like this video and subscribe to support the channel. You can also support us on Patreon for early access to documentaries and a whole host of behind-the-scenes content. Thank you for watching. Stay alert, stay safe, and I'll see you next time.